Welcome to What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef is proudly supported by Suncorp Bank, helping local producers through the ups and downs since 1902. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello and welcome to What's Your Beef? I'm Jane Cudahy. We've heard a lot on this podcast about the role of storytelling in the modern beef industry, that it's imperative that grassroots operators play a role and continue to help educate our consumers on world-class animal production and welfare practices on our properties. But I totally understand how daunting that is and that's why we're incredibly grateful to people like Brian Sanders. He's the filmmaker behind the feature-length documentary Food Lies and host of the Peak Human podcast. He's also a health coach and co-founded the health education company Sapien. Brian is passionate about regenerative agriculture and increased access to well-raised animal products through his company Nose to Tail. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. We've got it, you know, we're getting you right across the other side of the world today, which is quite exciting. But I guess, you know, and we do have a lot to talk about, but I want to start at the the most obvious place, the beginning. You graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering. What made you want to make films? Uh, Well, I grew up making films, actually, for fun. And uh, I actually teamed back up with the guy I grew up with in Hawaii making films who actually pursued film to make this. And, uh, yeah, I, I, mechanical engineering, you know, wasn't for me, I realized, but it gave me a great base of scientific method and problem solving, critical thinking, and a lot of stuff that really paved the way for me to, yeah, dive into nutrition and to agriculture and all these things that um, I kind of looked at from a different angle, I think, and it's kind of helped me to look at it from this scientific angle, a little bit of an outsider's view. And it helped me, you know, do some myth busting and have a new new view on this stuff. Absolutely. And we'll go into the concept of, of myth busting in a little bit. But I guess, you know, the, the feature that you're working on at the moment and, and what, um, I guess, why we're even talking today is, is Food Lies. What is Food Lies and why was it such um, a big issue for you? Yeah, well... This is supposed to be the ultimate film on what humans are supposed to eat. And through that story, we we find out where we went wrong, what kind of bad ideas we had about nutrition. We look into human evolution, you know, what what did we eat throughout history? And we look at the environmental impacts on, you know, how we can raise our food better, whether it be plant or animal food. And I got really into this because my, my parents got sick. You know, they got these modern chronic diseases. So I was only 30. And, and basically lost both my parents at the age of 30. And, it, you know, that hit me hard. And, and it also was about the time when I started losing my own health. You know, at 30, you can't eat whatever you want anymore. You can't just mess around and be a kid, really. So no, I've discovered that too, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a common time that, that you know, so maybe 28, 30, something like that. And, uh, yeah, I kind of just went on my health journey and I just wanted to not fall to the same fate as my parents and realize that it's really not necessary to have these chronic diseases. And, you know, all these things we think are normal in modern society aren't normal. And so I discovered a lot about healthy populations and 
oh man, so much stuff we can get into. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess, you know, it's one thing wanting to be healthier and, and not go down the same path as your parents, but I guess it's another big step to really share that experience with people and, and the knowledge that you found along the way. So obviously some things really hit home and you noticed a big gap in what people believe. Yeah, and I think, you know, the instigating incident inciting incident was watching What the Health, the vegan documentary about three years ago, three and a half years ago. Yeah, that when I when I saw how, you know, much propaganda and just not true things they were trying to promote in that film, I, that really got me going and I decided I, I needed to do something about it. So what can we expect? What kind of things have you discovered and, and are sharing in this documentary? Well... I'm trying to do it all. I, maybe I'm biting off more than I can chew. I, I've been working on this for a long time. I spent a better part of the day, you know, working with my director on it today, trying to piece this together. Because we're trying to tell the whole story of just what is food, right? What We're starting these simple questions like what what did humans, how, how did we evolve? Like, why did we become human? What were we eating? And why does that matter? Some people think that, humans had these short, miserable lives. And that's not true. I mean, I've talked to world leading anthropologists, archaeologists, and they did not die at 35. They did not have short, brutish lives. They lived well. They were happy. They could live to 70s and 80s, even without modern medicine. Uh, the average age was brought down because infant mortality and they had accidents and, you know, certain pathogens in the water, or, you know, they're tragic events, but if they lived past uh, teenage years, they, they could very easily live into their 70s and 80s and seen that around the world too with native living people and uh, actually just got back from Africa and, and witnessed firsthand, you know, people over 100 that were just doing well living without modern conveniences, without modern medicine, just eating natural foods and beef and goat and milk and whatever else they could you know these natural foods they've always eaten so uh yeah we can go into that more but uh the, the film covers that that really the origin story i guess you could think of the three big pieces that that origin story what is food what did we eat all that ancestral story evolution story then it's like where did we go wrong how did we leave that right we have all this knowledge about about what we should eat and through Thousands, thousands of years and generations of passing down information, we learned what was healthy and what wasn't. And then we lost that knowledge. And then, you know, we, we have this modernization and we have modern conveniences, which are great. But then that came along with modern foods and ideas about nutrition that led us astray. So this whole middle story is kind of where we went wrong. You know, what was this bad science that was done? Like, where did we where do we get off on our ideas of, of what is healthy? You know, when you're saying um, bad science, and you've got, you've got a huge amount of scientists involved in your documentary, but, and I'm playing a bit of devil's advocates a little bit, but how do you find good science? Because, you know, I'm sure, and it has happened, that there are documentaries completely the opposite of what you've produced, who also maintain that um, the beef or the red meat industry has bad science. So where where's the middle ground? How do you absolutely make sure that the science that you're using is sound? Yeah, no, that's a really good question because not a lot of people 
have done that and presented both sides of the argument or really tried to be unbiased. And it, it's just been a struggle. Um, so for one thing, you need to look at all the angles, right? I mean, it's easy to try to make things line up if you're cherry picking things or only looking at one side of the issue. And I think even when I started this project, I think I was a little one-sided on the opposite side of vegan, where I thought that there was, oh man, I figured it all out. You know, it's like there's, it's, you know, you can eat tons of animal foods and tons of fat, and this is the only way to be healthy. And this, and 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 luckily, I kind of changed my tune and started looking at both sides, which is my goal this whole time, right? Is yeah. let's look at all sides of this, so that you can't be there, there's no holes that can be poked in it. Well, that's also that's a healthy debate, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I actually did do a debate. I, I did speak at this conference, and we had a vegan debate, and I actually got along with her, and we, we talked after and before, and I think I changed her mind on some things, and I kind of learned from her. But I, I did keep an open mind, and I did talk to some interesting people that showed me, oh, they you can thrive on maybe less animal foods and more whole foods, but these were healthy whole foods. These weren't the modern processed foods. So then I realized it wasn't just about meat versus plants or fat versus carbs. It was about processed foods versus unprocessed foods. Mm. And that's why I think I really stopped, you know, going down this sort of one path and became a little more unbiased and wanted to look at more sides of things because I realized you could be healthy on a, a large array of diets, but the, what the thing they had in common was that it was whole foods based and not the processed foods, and they included some animal foods at least. Mm. There's no cultures that that have been completely vegan, so mm. they've always included some animal foods, whatever they can get. It, it, and for what I've seen and studied and saw firsthand in Africa, it's usually the most amount they can get. It, it, the, the animal foods fill up the diet as much as they can afford and and get them, mm. and they so. So that's part of it. And, and part of it, like I said, too, is just try looking at all sides. And if you, so you can't poke holes in it. Where You can't just look at, the say, modern studies. You have to also look at evolution. You know what I mean? And you, can also, you can't just look at randomized controlled trials. You, you can look at epidemiology. You can look at human biochemistry. You can look at evolution. You can look at... Um, clinical um, anecdotes you know you can look at all these things and they should all line up you can't have holes Mm. right so the vegan side has holes in it they're like oh well why do the people in hong kong have the longest life expectancy in the world but they also have the highest meat intake Mm. so that's a huge hole in their theory Mm. but then then there could also be if i know there's a carnivore crowd these days that are is only eating meat but there's holes in their theories too because there's uh, tons of people around the world that eat 90% 90% plant foods and they're, they live long and are healthy. There's the Okinawans, mm-hmm. there's the Kitavans, there's the Simone, there's the Sucacente. You know, there's all these people that rely on whole sweet potatoes and vegetables and then they get fish and they get some, you know, animal foods in the can and they're healthy. So you have to look at where everything uh, combines and it all works and there's yeah. no holes. So that's how, you, that's how I know that this is the, 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 the correct science. Like I, because there's no holes. Yeah, there's no – and I guess, you know, you've really lived and breathed this. You've changed your own lifestyle and diet. And so what's what's the peak of, of what you've discovered? What are you living every day? 
the main thing, I really just discovered that animal foods are healthy. So that I grew up thinking that they were not. And, you know, you eat them as sort of a cheat. You know, it's like, oh, man, I ate some steak today. You know, that's how many people think. It's like, I love steak, but I shouldn't be eating it. So I completely flipped my idea to, oh, no, how much steak can I eat in a day? I got to make sure to get my red meat in for the day. Mm. Uh, and so that's my big kind of switch. And then my second big switch is just the, the process, the level of processing matters. And I just looked at everything on how far away it was from a a whole food source. So bread, I grew up thinking was a healthy whole food. It's not a whole food. It's a very modern, very processed food that's just not even done properly. I mean, if you look at ancient preparation techniques, you would ferment sourdough for, you know, two or two days and, you know, soak it and sprout it and do all these techniques. And it would be it would not be from GMO monocrops and it would not use sugar and vegetable oils in it. It, yeah. it was a natural thing. So yeah, that was another big one for me. So how do how long has it taken you to change your diet and your lifestyle and your sort of exercise regime around to something that you've just completely opposite to growing up? You know, it, it wasn't right away. And mm-hmm. some people can do it right away, but for me it was kind of a journey and it, it was probably two years before before I really started getting really comfortable and consistent with this. And then it was even another year when I really moved away from even wanting to go to restaurants or fast food much, or, you know, I, I just, that desire kind of went away and I just love to cook for myself. And so, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not an overnight thing. Yeah. Cause there's nothing worse I reckon than paying for something like, and it is not always convenient. Sometimes you do just want to, eat out um paying for food and then realizing that you could have done it a lot better at home <laughs> that, that's very true I, I finally got to that point and maybe some people have to you know learn to cook yeah. <laughs> or just learn to cook better right because yeah, yeah i mean i think you Use turn a corner when you can cook yeah okay well look we'll go back to, to talking about that myth busting concept because you know that is part of your your role, I guess. Um, so how did how did that come about? How did how did you have to build up, I guess, um, that part of things, being a MythBuster? I just grew up loving that kind of stuff. I always watched the MythBusters show. Mm-hmm. People are familiar with that show, right? It's like kind of a nerdy science show. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I was just always into that finding the root cause. I think that's also the engineering side of things. Mm-hmm. Right. When you find the root cause of something, sometimes I'm friends with a lot of doctors and a lot of great doctors. So I hope I don't make it sound bad, but sometimes they just learn what they teach them in medical school and, and don't really think past it. Like, Oh, well, this person has this problem. So you prescribe this medicine. Right. But they don't look at the root cause a lot. They're like, well, why does this person have this? You know, maybe we could change the diet and lifestyle and then we wouldn't need this medication. But then in the engineering world, you have to look at that root cause or you're a terrible engineer and you're going to get fired. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you just look at things completely differently. So I was just always interested in that, I guess. And how do you do it? Because I guess, you know, a lot of the, the social media or, or the, you know, world debate that has come out from some anti-meat campaigners have been savvy and, and really cut through. Where Where's the balance between emotion and fact? Because... That's sometimes the hardest to break through with, with the facts. 
Yeah, well, a lot of people make decisions based on emotion. And that's why these campaigns from the other side are very successful because they can show, they kind of have an advantage. They can show an image of a cow, you know, operation in another country, maybe some third world country that's not done well or not regulated. And maybe there are some, you know, people not doing it well. And, and they can use these images for their shock value. And we, uh, coming from the other side, you have to kind of overcome that, which is hard. It's an uphill battle. But I always go back to how nature works and how we've just lost touch with how nature works and we live in cities. And so it's common for people to not know how their food is produced. And so then they have this, yeah, it's kind of foreign to them and they have this bad feeling about it. And really, like I'm friends with a lot of different farmers and ranchers and people who produce food and they say, hey, no one out here doing the actual work is vegan. None of these people have any of these ideas because we know we're doing it. We're living it. We love these animals, but we also know this is how humans live and how something needs to die for something to live no matter what. And um, so, yeah, I mean, part of my message and part of this film is, yeah, about just divorcing emotion from the science and we talk about it like food is this this is what your body needs it's not we can't base this on on emotion or or anything i mean we can talk about animal rights separately because it's very important but when we're talking about human nutrition we can't also talk about other things at the same time they're they're separate topics and i i do think that is a great point to take the emotion out of it and to really you know, be more savvy with the facts that are right there in our backyards that we do live with every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess you operate on the global stage. What are the next big challenges on the horizon? Where's our next fight going to be? There are these globalist people actually trying to control our food system, and they're very open about it. These people with a lot of money, you know, there's, there's these Bill Gates types that are buying up all the farmland. They're invested in fake foods and the fake meats and stuff. And they're very open about this war against animal agriculture. And yeah, that is the biggest fight. That's at the world scale and that's going to be hard. Mm. Uh, They want to control the food system and they think that they, you know, know what's best for us. And they think they know what's best for the world. And unfortunately they're wrong. I mean, they, they're rich and powerful, but they're not always right. Well, that's so frustrating when their pockets are so deep. So, you know, w- with the work that you're doing, how do you how do you see this playing out? Are we on a hiding to nothing? But no. Okay. So I've also discovered that, yeah, the, the, the profit margin, this is a huge part about it. Is When you really get down to it, these processed foods have the highest profit margin. These cheap cordwood and soy, these cheap ingredients that you can turn into pr- packaged food. And they have a big profit margin. And with that profit margin, you can have lobbyists and marketing and commercials and build your business even bigger and bigger. So, yes, we're sort of screwed from the start because if you're talking about whole foods and animal foods, the profit margin is so much lower that we'll never have the the lobbying power and the marketing power and all this to change opinion. Mm. So if you look at that way, yes, it's, it's bad. But if you look at it the other way, that humans... Are pretty smart. They know that we need meat in our diet. I don't think 
that many people are, are tricked by these marketing campaigns. They, they try it. Some people do get tricked. They try to eat these fake, you know, fake burgers and plant-based things, and then they get sick or they don't feel well, and then they go back to meat. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of is the, the grassroots effort mm-hmm. where people will, you know, find out for themselves that it doesn't work. They will find out from their friend that, you know, tried a different diet and did better. Mm-hmm. They'll find out from films. Like food lies, they'll find out from podcasts. Mm. And I don't know, we have a growing community. It seems like uh, I, I, I'm in the social media world and it seems like it's growing this movement, but it's, it's more of a grassroots movement. And so, yeah, I don't know on, on the highest level h- how we can really stop them other than just building it uh, from the base and that humans know that mm. this is that we we need meat to live I, mean, I get back to africa everyone there they they were very confused that people w- were trying to not eat meat they're like what yeah. they, so they have meat but they don't want it they I, they're like, I don't get it like what are you what are you talking about like my whole life is revolved around making enough money to buy meat well, exactly, and I think I'm not sure uh, whether you saw the same sort of thing in the US or any pictures from Australia where we COVID first broke out and there was, um, you know, a few social media posts uh, on supermarket and now little bout with panic buying and everything would be emptied, all the butcher sections would be emptied and there was a fully stocked, um, you know, vegan and plant-based protein section. So obviously when the chips are down and you want good hearty sustenance for your family you'll still go back to meat exactly humans are smart that's what i say humans are smart they know what they need yeah <laughs> now you're coming to australia for beef 21 which is extremely exciting um what can we expect from your presentation well yeah i'd love to do a, a big myth busting presentation so i like to talk about busting the myths now, there's three big myths that the vegan community likes to promote and it's a nutrition argument, the environmental argument, and the moral argument. And through making the film, through my podcast, through talking to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, I've kind of, you know, found very solid arguments against all these three things, that meat is not the problem in any of these situations. It's, it's actually the solution, really. For nutrition-wise, it, it's a great solution to fix your health. We actually had a, our driver in Uganda. Uh, we, we went to Tanzania and Uganda and our, our driver was very overweight, very frustrated. His sister is very overweight, but is a doctor and keeps telling him to go plant-based. He started on our trip going meat-based and he messaged me. He's lost tons of weight. He's like, tell every, he feels better. All these things. This, this is all we see. I work with the doctor. There's thousands and thousands of these stories everywhere around the world. Meat is a solution, not the problem, to people's health. And same thing with agriculture, right? If you, it, it's about getting the soil health back, and cows and other animals contribute to that. And and then the moral side is, is just uh, again for somebody who lives, something must die. I, I have a lot of good uh, slides that I'm going to put together about this moral side because it's a little bit harder. You know, it's a nuanced topic, but when you start looking at some of these other factors, like what's the alternative to cow? Like if we get rid of animal agriculture, they create thousands of products besides food. So now we're going to have to be making all these other products 
like even like tennis racket strings, you know, they're like, we're going to have to make these synthetic products made from fossil fuels. So people never think about these other angles that actually, if you don't think morally, environmentally, stuff like that. No, because it's a huge we, blow we on effect. Rely on animals, yeah. And I guess, do you touch on that with your um, education um, company, Sapien? Is that part of what you're doing through that company as well? Just really pointing out some of these uh, arguments? Yeah. So we're, we're starting mainly with our nutrition program. But I also have the YouTube channel, um, which I'm just trying to, you know, get more content on. But it, it's about all these aspects. It's really, yeah, it's really everything. I've kind of just made my life's goal to just do this. And Sapien is that main company that I will do this uh, under, which is dispel all the myths and promote this information and make bite-sized content or small videos, you know, longer videos, medium-sized videos, podcasts, anything that's possible for people to learn about this whole other side of the world that people aren't talking about. What are some of the um, arguments that you come up against? Like you put so much content out on so many different channels and you've talked a bit, you know, about some of the reactions that you had in Africa, which was quite fascinating. But what about in your backyard? Like what do people say to you? Are people genuinely um, majority surprised or do you find yourself having to justify it a bit more once you put some of this content out? People don't get it. I mean, it's hard. It, you know, it's interesting now that you mention it. It's this our driver in Uganda actually very quickly was just like, "I'm in. I get it. I'm on board." Because mm-hmm. he doesn't have so much of the propaganda nonstop, even though they, it's creeping in there. Mm-hmm. And his sister is a doctor telling him to go plant based, and yeah. <laughs> she's also not healthy. But in America, U.S., wherever these Westernized countries, they they don't get it. So. I have a friend here in LA. I, I've told him about this stuff for months and months, just like showed him information, showed him, you know, podcasts, all this type of stuff. And just the other day, he saw me eating a meal, with, you know, three, four eggs, bacon, sausage, you know, just a whole plate of animal foods. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. So what about the fat though? Or like, aren't you worried about how much fat you're eating? I'm like, oh man. <laughs> We've been going over this for months. You know, some people <laughs> can't get it out of their head. They just, they have this. I'm like, that's the whole. I'm like, no, that's my whole thing. My whole thing is I eat fat. Yeah. Like this is like the very basic part of it. Yeah, exactly. You just need someone else to tell him. Is it one of those situations where you can be hammering it, as you say, for months, and then someone else brings it up as this light bulb <laughs> moment idea, and he's like, yeah, you need to get into this. Come on. Yeah, and, and sometimes people, the people closest to you won't do it. I've noticed that too. If you try to tell a family member that they won't listen to you, because sometimes you do need sort of a, a third party or some, you know, some random story of someone changing their life and maybe it strikes a chord with someone and they'll be open to this information. And now you need a ghost, like a, a ghost social media account to just, you know, back up your own arguments to people close to you. <laughs> something yeah you need something like that now look we um we've asked everyone on this podcast uh their favorite cut of beef and i realize you eat a lot of animal products so this is going to be quite intriguing but um we have to we have to go beef as it is a beef podcast when you're at the butcher for a midweek tuesday night meal what are you choosing oh wow 
That's pretty easy. It's it's kind of basic. I'm just going to ribeye. I don't know if that's what you call it. Yep. No, I know exactly where you are with that. That's delicious. The ribeye, get all the fat. I just look for the fattiest ribeye I can get. <laughs> Is that for flavor or nutrition? I mean, it's mainly for flavor, but, you know, nutrition comes hand in hand with that. You know, that, that's the magic part about beef is that it, it can taste good and be nutritious. Nutrition would be the, the liver. I'd go, I'd go with the liver if I wanted pure nutrition, but uh, I'm not super keen on the taste yet. No, because you're human, so I totally get that um, completely. <laughs> so, so now when you're cooking for someone, if you've got friends or family over for dinner and you're, you know, your whole um, motto is you know, salt's, salt's great, fat's great, animal animal fat's great, um, and, you know, the, the quali- a good mixture of meat and vegetables. What are you cooking for, like, a fancier scenario? Mm. Fancier? Well, I would sous vide. Do you know the sous vide technique? Using a water bath to oh, slow yep. cook it yep, for yep, an yep. hour. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I'd sous vide a ribeye. I use truffle salt. I would, then I would do, uh, I like mushrooms and onions. I get some good mushrooms and onions going. Then I'd get into the seafood. Uh, so maybe some scallops cooked in butter and some garlic. Nice. Maybe lobster. I have some, I'm near Malibu. People know of Malibu. Yep. A beautiful, you know, beach town. I got a friend that catches some fresh, fresh lobster out there. Oh, wow. That's so a good friend to have. Some, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he dives. He goes and dives for them and get a fresh lobster tail with some butter. Uh, I like smoked oysters. Those are always good. So it is worth being friends with you purely to be invited over for dinner. Because <laughs> it sounds yeah, I mean, pretty awesome. I, uh, I, I eat well. You know, people like I do have some friends that, that have jumped on board on this, and we do cook a lot on the weekends, and we make – basically this exact thing <laughs> that's perfect what a great idea to get everyone together and cook yeah, but okay well look thanks so much for your time today brian we'll look, really look forward to seeing you in rockhampton at beef 21 are you going to be able to get around australia a little bit more or is rockhampton going to be the sort of be all and end all for this this trip oh that's a good question yeah i mean i'd love to see the sites a little i have been to sydney um for a week or two so maybe i could check out um i don't know where will they fly into brisbane yeah you'd fly into brisbane i'd imagine sydney yeah brisbane and then rockhampton but you'll have i reckon we should just get people listening to give you some fantastic tips on where to go for for some beef friendly uh documentary options even I mean, that would be great. Actually, if anyone's listening, contact me on my Instagram, food.lives, or you can email me, hi at foodlives.org. And I would love to connect with people on, yeah, where to eat, where to go, what to do, and even maybe film with some people. I don't know if I can bring anyone else with a camera or connect with someone with some film equipment out there we can make that happen that'll be easy no problem i'll get my people onto it (laughs) that would be fantastic (laughs) all right well we'll keep in touch thanks so much for that brian we'll see you at beef 21 all right i'll see you then beef australia is proudly supported by our principal partners 
Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.